0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Here's Mike, can we get our goal? He should
1: Hit back, held
0: in there, to the half of the shot.
2: 51 years on the Sabres Hockey Network for Rick Jenneret, the late, great Rick Generat. We lost four days ago now at the age of 81. That is your audio vault brought to you by Direct Workwear, specialized to work with your business, outfit your crew from head to toe in Edmonton and Fort McMurray. Yes, uh, got to pay homage to one of the greats. I mean, nobody sticks around a company for that long anymore except for maybe Brian Hall who if I look at Rick jenneret's work history, I'm pretty sure the two of them worked together in Toronto at CHUM, at CHUM. Is that right? I, I would have to talk to Halsey yeah. just to confirm, but I am pretty sure they would have overlapped there in the early 60s. Uh, so that just tells you, me, I mean, you know about the, the, the tenure, the legendary status of Brian Hall, so equate that to Rick Jenner at the Niagara Falls uh, native, or pardon me, the St. Catherine's native. Anyway, carrying on with this conversation, you could probably do a documentary on Rick Jenner or the yes. longevity of, I mean, that is again, I say that's incredible for one's voice to be synonymous with that many moments in a team's history. That's that's a broadcaster's dream. What is the sports documentary that you are filming? 780-496-0063. Is it a rivalry that you want to sink your teeth into? Like we've seen, I believe one of the more recent 30 for 30s is the Colorado Avalanche Detroit Red Wings oh, yeah. from the 90s. That is spectacular stuff. When I think back to Waver versus Osgood, you know the the whole thing we all know about it so is it a rivalry like that is it a story of somebody that you'd like to know more about like a Tony Hand that like that sounds like it needs more coverage or maybe it's a Cinderella story as we got the texter saying uh, that Minnesota North Stars team that went all the way to the Stanley Cup final in 1991 I mean there is so much inspiration for this kind of thing out there without a doubt Carson's gonna weigh in here on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Carson, how's it going today? Not bad yourself. Excellent, thanks. What's your idea for a, a film? I got a good one. I'd love to see something about, you know, I, I know
1: the guy's the absolute most hated man in Edmonton, but I'd love to see something about the life and times of the Edmonton Oilers. Right from the start, Peter Pocklington, the guy who was on top of the world at one time, you know, in a, into the Progressive Conservative Party. Uh, he owned multiple businesses in Edmonton, you know, from from farming to all sorts of... Mm-hmm. Get his fingers in everything. Just uh, the fall from grace that that guy went through. You know, we he did have our team at one time at a really a high point and then at a very low point. Uh, Glenn Sather bailed him out, $1 million bond. You know, and come into the investors group, and then, you know, the stories of Caps, how Daryl entered the team. I would just love to hear more about our Oilers from the start to where we are today.
2: Oh, well, for sure, Carson. Thanks for the call. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, there's so many different angles to Edmonton's success and ownership and and the, the glory and triumph of, of one decade and the uh, struggles financially and, and subsequently on the ice in another decade. I mean, good grief, this Oilers story could have several documents. Uh, about it without a doubt. And uh, we haven't talked about Edmonton football. We're just looking at Edmonton hockey right now. But I suspect that our next caller might want to take things to the gridiron. Stephen calling in from Albuquerque, New Mexico. You're on the air, Stephen. How's it going?
0: Hey, how you doing, Brandon?
2: Excellent, man. What, What do you got on your mind today?
0: So I'm a Peace River boy. I went to school in BC and transferred to New Mexico State. And I'll never forget the day that Sunday that Mike Weir won the Masters. Yeah. And I used to see him on the Canadian tour a little bit, and I would love a documentary on the start and rise
2: of Mike Weir. Now, did you go down there to golf, Stephen, did, when you moved to New Mexico State? That's yeah. golf?
0: Yeah, last year I just got my 25-year uh, lifetime membership with the PGA of America. I used to run into Mike at tournaments all the time when I was working for uh, Tideless and FootJoy and Bridgestone. And down here in the States, you don't hear much about hockey, for sure, but you hear even less about Mike Weir winning the the Masters, which is a huge moment for
2: Canadian golf. 100%. What's interesting about Weir is he he never really reached those same heights outside of that tournament. I guess he tied for third at the U.S. Open in that same year in 2003, right? But that Masters tournament, Stephen, was certainly the pinnacle of his career.
0: Well, if you know a little bit about that tournament... You can win that tournament with a Wedge on the far fives like Zach Johnson and all these, young, these guys that didn't hit it a mile. But when the game got long, Mike got run over. Okay. Right? And I'd like to see something on Mike. I got a question for Mooner since he's still there with you, isn't he?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah I'm here.
0: Hey, quick question. When you look at a goalie stats in the NHL, and the NHL, you know that 400 game mark seems to be the pinnacle to maybe to get the pension and all that stuff. How does it work for a goalie that's been a backup goalie his whole life? Might have played in a hundred games, but he might have backed up 700 games. Does it matter, or it's all the same?
3: Well, I, What What do you mean? Like, how do I? How do you judge them? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no,
0: no. Like, if you're on the bench for 400 games as a backup, you still played 400 games
3: even though you weren't on the ice that night. No, actually, you get credit for nothing. Like You, you got to get into the game. <laughs> and if you get into the game for even a minute, then you get a game. But if you don't, you don't. <laughs> it's all or nothing. If you're Martin Brodeur's goalie,
0: a backup goalie, you might
3: not see any games. Yeah, you'd see, well, there were some years there. Um, the the kid that played in Seattle, Corey Schwab. I remember when Corey
2: Schwab was there, oh, and, and right he'd get 10 yep. games yep. a year. Yep. <laughs> Crazy yeah. to think about. Right cool. on, Stephen. Great to hear from you, man. Hope you're doing well okay thanks a lot Bye now okay steven from albuquerque new mexico 780-496-0063 we're giving you a license and a camera to film whatever sports documentary you think needs to be told i mean hey i'm saying slam ball i want to know from mason gordon the founder and player and i want to know all about the mob hey have you seen the movie coach carter remember that one mm-hmm. yeah Ken Carter's a coach he was then 20 years later he is now a coach in slam ball so that like there is so many intricacies to these little things that uh, you know just make make this kind of storytelling to me so fascinating. <clears throat> listen I went to television school so I'm a nerd about this of course I am but you as the sports nerd have to tell me what story you want told and and uh, and we'll get that done for you maybe Jensen says he wants the rags to riches' story. About Bob Stoffer. We'll see if we can get to work on that one. <laughs> I, I had uh, Trent Wilhawk t- uh, text me about that, too. Uh, Logan has said, actually, there is a documentary on Mike Weir, so we'll have to track that one down for Stephen. The Oilers and Flames of the 80s, says B. The Stanley Cup Finals were played in either city from 1983 to 1990. This documentary needs to be done. Where's Don Matz, says B. Well, There's lots of filmmakers who might be able to dig into that. I'd watch that all day. Listen, 30 for 30, they've done it on Gretzky departing town, right? Why? Why have they not done that on the rivalry between Edmonton and Calgary? I mean, even if you're an American sport, and ESPN is so American, I get that. But they th- and they did that
3: one uh, on their 30 for 30s of the Red Sox Yankees, yep. yeah, which I thought was really good. Yeah, that was the comeback, the right. being down three nothing and and coming back to win the series for the Red Sox. Yeah, that, that would be an amazing one. there'd be so much footage and you could still talk to so many people that were involved and you know, when we were in Red Deer there uh, a few weeks ago with the Battle of uh, Alberta golf tournament yeah. the stories that were told you know during the hot stoves were they were priceless and funny too
2: <laughs> like exactly and 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 not only do they have those those kinds of stories but the animosity oh. as we hear between these these guys that we had on the show you know in the last couple of weeks it took a long time for them to outgrow that kind of thing to where they could just be civil human beings again like it it was the uncivil war as we've joked about and uh, in a lot of ways I think that you know it carried over off the ice there's a story there to be told certainly I mean listen we've got enough ideas from our textures here that we could make a whole documentary series on the Oilers themselves basically you could dig into Pocklington's ownership you could dig into Ryan Smith and and his sort of lack of credit, despite his longevity as a, as a player in the NHL, and he will get some credit. He'll end up in the Oilers Hall of Fame sooner than later up on that uh, part of the rink that they introduced last year. But you know what I mean? Like, there's there's a lot of layers to this stuff, and the texts are coming in fast and furious. James says, how about one of the late 80s Oakland A's? Canseco, Maguire, Eckersley, Larusa, and Ricky Henderson, a dominant team who only won one World series it would be amazing with all those personalities and of course the steroid use there says James oh yeah yeah, yeah there's a
3: story to be had there anytime
2: too. you've got an Eckersley involved I think that you can say that certainly another texter says how about the uh, Djokovic and Nadal and Federer age of tennis that's a really cool yeah. one for me because I mean that's that's recent. That is that's really recent. And even now we're we're seeing sort of the handoff of Djokovic uh, handing this off to Carlos Alcaraz uh, to, in the last couple of tournaments. Alcaraz beat him at Wimbledon, and then Djokovic just outlasted him at uh, whatever tournament they had this weekend. So this is a rivalry that is like ongoing. But for tennis fans, without a doubt, so many of the tennis stories outside of the Williams sisters take place way before my time. So to have a, a sort of a current idea and the fact that they are all just i mean they've been dominant nadal now that he's dealt with injuries for as long as he has I and mean, they're getting older too way older federer's got to be just about 40 now but that was a time where it almost made tennis boring because it was just going to be any number of those three guys in the final no matter what the tournament yeah. was i i just recently watched the uh the dion
3: sanders 30 for 30. oh where he was uh, with playing with the Atlanta Braves, but also playing with the Atlanta Falcons at the same time. And in the playoffs of 92, I want to say, playoffs of 92, where he was going back and forth yeah. in the middle of it. And it made me think of, and this is, this is very obscure, but it is Edmonton related, uh, a time when there was a, a two-sport athlete playing for the Edmonton Trappers, Kirk McCaskill was drafted by the Winnipeg Jets, played hockey at the University of Vermont, played a year in the American Hockey League, but ultimately chose baseball, and it was a good choice. He played for the California Angels and the Chicago White Sox for quite a long time, but he was part of that Edmonton Trapper team in 1984 that won the PCL Championship. But he was juggling both sports at the same time and even played hockey at a pro level, that's it's uh, it's it, that was before we got all fired up about two sport athletes, but he was one that that played hockey and baseball at an inc-
2: incredibly high level. Speaking of the multi sport athlete thing, I know we've got the Minto Cup in town. I yeah. was jazzed to talk to John Lintz last week when I was hosting Inside Sports. Got an idea about that. If you're interested at all, uh, head to the Minto Cup uh, website. There, it's at the Bill Hunter Rink all week long they're playing um, uh, Coquitlam tonight at 8 o'clock the Adnacks they're a pretty strong pretty team it. I think uh, but so are the miners. so uh, check that one out at the Bill Hunter 8 o'clock tonight and uh, my understanding is there's a couple of Oilers there the, uh, yeah. uh, in last night's opener and why not right why not marquee sporting event makes its way to Edmonton we saw you can't keep Matthias Ekholm out of the community I love this guy
3: no Matthias Ekholm and Darnell Nurse were at the opening ceremonies uh, Bob Stoffer was uh, hosting it as the MC, but Bob was were, the MC the minto well he was the opening, the opening ceremonies yes he yeah, must have was uh, that the old bill hunter ah, interesting i like it, <laughs> I like it. no that, that's it's amazing uh, lacrosse it's an incredibly high level of play and a lot of fun so that's that's something to check
2: out was wayne gretzky not an avid lacrosse player at some point in his life Maybe not avid, but no. I thought he was a lacrosse player. And a baseball player, too, yeah. as I understand. Multi-sport athlete. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Darcy, checking in. He wants to talk about a particular event at the World Juniors. Darcy, uh, this would probably make an excellent documentary. Lay it on us.
1: Okay, so it would be the 87 World Juniors, Canada, Russia, the punch-up in Pistani. Yeah, well, absolutely. Where they literally, I think, I, I, I could be wrong, but what, like, didn't both benches clear? They did. In that, in that yeah, they, in that brawl. So I think that would be an incredible documentary, especially if you got both sides talking about kind of leading into the game, the game itself, what happened, and then obviously the after
3: effects. Right? There, Garrett was, Joyce wrote a book about it. It's really good. Rob Brown yeah. was yeah. was a part of that.
2: Did Brown instigate it, or did he just uh,
3: participate? I, I think just participated. <laughs> I the Canada had to win by a bunch of goals to have an opportunity because that was just a straight round robin World Juniors back then. So it was... was, Yeah, yeah, so they they had to win by a lot. They were winning at the time and then, uh, yeah, it all
2: went crazy. And Darcy, like yeah. to me, the, the international hockey, like it really meant an awful lot in a lot of senses sort of at that time in the, in the mid to late 80s. They're obviously starting in, in, with the Summit Series like 72 and then I think it still carried a lot of relevance until, I mean, silly to say this, but until after the Iron Curtain fell and, uh, and this would have been a time when, you know, there was some geopolitical undertones to this stuff too. So I well, think that there's a lot of branches you could take with this story.
1: Oh, I I agree. I mean, I mean, think about the entire landscape back then, right? Where teams actually hated each other, right? Like today, I mean, you know, all the players get along, they all train together. There's no real animosity like you saw back in the 80s, you know, and and with that Soviet Union Canada matchup, was that after the Canada Cup or was that before? Was it '80s? Was it? Did the tournament start in '86 and then ended in January of '87? Because that that's yes, normally yes, yeah. how they date these, right? That's right. So and this would have been before the Canada Cup. So, yeah, I just I think it'd be a great story. The other story I would love to see is the '94 Montreal Expos. If anyone knows that story, like it sucks because the team was legitimately a World Series contender. There was a good chance they were going to meet the Yankees in the World Series that October, and because of the strike, doesn't happen, the team gets dismantled because they can't afford all the players. Larry Walker, Lou uh, Grissom, and I think that would be a really, really interesting documentary. Because really, that was the fall of the, the Expos. That started the mm-hmm. the whole roller coaster of them eventually leaving Montreal. Right?
2: They just they couldn't they couldn't compete. So great stuff, Darcy. There Appreciate you go, the boy. call. All right, that is uh, Darcy at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll press pause here, but let us know what kind of uh, sports documentary you are filming. You've got the camera; you're pointing it at any story you would like. And and Mike B has corrected me here at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Brendan Ryan Smith is already in the Wall of Fame for the Oilers. Duh. It was him and Lee Foglin that were part of the inaugural class. Thank you for checking me on that, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, he was... You knew uh, it. You you, just didn't know know you knew it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. These things happen. What can I say? I've been on football for about four (laughs) months now. It seems like a lot. It's 12.51 in Edmonton. It's Brendan and Cam. We'll keep this up when we come back. Quickly into NHL today for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing, your local branded merchandise specialists. Head to ElitePromomarketing.com. Boy. We joked, time's a lean, Uh, 14-year career for Jonathan Bernier. The goaltender uh, is retired officially as of this morning. The Boston Bruins have signed one-time Edmonton oiler Alex Chason to a professional tryout offer. The Jets re-upping with defenseman uh, Logan Stanley, the restricted free agent. It's a one-year, $1 million deal there for the big man. Uh, Ducks acquiring Ilya Labushkin, the defenseman who you may remember absolutely destroyed Dylan Holloway in the early part of last season that is uh, now in the Pacific Division going to Buffalo, a 2025 fourth round pick. And if you're a gamer, things on NHL 24 are going to sound a little bit different. Ray Ferraro being replaced as the color analyst Cheryl Pounder, who becomes the first woman, of course, to feature in such a game. That's a pretty cool uh, bit there for Cheryl Pounder. So 780-496-0063, we'll get a couple texts in here, we've got Al May coming up after the one o'clock news, and we're going to talk Ottawa as well with Dean Brown at 1.30. But certainly we've got some time here to weave your movie ideas, your sports documentary ideas through here. A couple responses, Cam, for um, some sort of narrative of the 2010 when, when Canada beat the U.S. on home soil, when Canada. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the golden the golden goal being one thing, but, you know, the women got it done in the same vein, and Crosby at home. Like, there was, there was a lot of layers to that one.
3: Oh, and just, yeah, that whole vibe in Vancouver, like, it it was you know everybody gets fired up for the olympics when it's best on best but when it's best on best and it's in our country mm-hmm. it goes up even another level and it seemed like that one was and it was you knew it was a collision course between Canada and the US and and US had a good team and you know that could have went either way, but it went Canada's way in overtime. That was an exciting Olympics, and I think that would be a tremendous uh, documentary.
2: Another texter is asked about the uh, twenty fourteen Canadian Olympic team, and, and to that I say. Um, yes, but the dominance of that team, like they, they didn't really face any adversaries. So, in no. traditional storytelling, I mean, they just kind of rolled over everybody in such magnificent fashion. I mean, that is a story, but I don't know if it's a documentary because they there was no. There was no, um, no David. Drama. There was no yeah. David. Yeah. They were just Goliath stomping all over everybody right through the finals, and and I guess fortunately for us, that's kind of our last memories of Canada's international best on best. Save for uh, I guess the World Cup of hockey, somebody's yeah. got to get something like this is absolutely preposterous. And I know we could probably spend a whole show complaining about the fact that there's no <laughs> international best on best, but like, what are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> and it's one there's, of those. A basketball cool. tournament, for example. There's a there's a basketball tournament that's coming up. The World uh, Cup of the FIBA World Cup. Lots of Canadians in the NBA are saying, hey, I want to represent Canada. Let's, you know what? The Americans didn't say that for the U.S. team, but for the Canadians, it meant something. They want to come out here and put the maple leaf on their chest. And I know as far as hockey goes, that that's that's a non-starter. That is where you start dreaming as a kid. You want either the Stanley Cup over your head or the maple leaf on your chest and probably both in some (laughs) machination. I remind you quickly, some guests of the show receive gift certificates to Roost Chris Steakhouse. It is. The greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Chris and Chef Altoff that Oilers now sent you. We will press pause here. We'll step out. Randy Kilburn will bring you the headlines. And when Cam and I return, Al May, we'll probably ask him what kind of sports doc he'd be interested in. And well, we'll figure out uh, we'll figure out what's going on. Yes, we will. Plenty to talk about with the Edmonton product. but we get back on Oilers now.